1: Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC, News Talk 1080, 96.5, TIC-FM, and Light 100.5, WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you on this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Connecticut Public Health Commissioner Dr. Manisha Jutani. Good morning to you.
0: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: So as people hear this on Sunday morning and they are wondering how they can get their children vaccinated against COVID-19, what advice do you have?
0: Well, there are a few things I would say. First of all, you can always go to ct.gov slash COVID vaccine. And when you go to that site, you can put your zip code in and find a number of places around you where vaccines should be available and that you can sign up for an appointment. Now, of course, most people would be most comfortable going to their pediatrician to get a vaccine. And so certainly call your pediatrician's office, find out if they have enrolled in the process where you can make an appointment with them. But we also do have multiple pharmacies around the state that are administering vaccines. There are school-based health clinics that will be administering vaccines. And we have multiple requests at this point for our DPH vans, and we are setting up clinics throughout the state based on requests that we have received to be able to set up sites where kids can get vaccinated as well. And we're starting even just this weekend with uh, children so there are multiple different ways that you will be able to get your children vaccinated. And I'm very excited to see the enthusiasm that people have.
1: What are you seeing in terms of demand? Are we seeing that, that mad rush that occurred when the adult vaccines were open to the general population?
0: So, you know, I think what our pattern has been is that there is a rush right in the beginning and then things stabilize out. And usually some appointments open up a little bit more after that very beginning rush. And we are seeing a similar trend in that way. So different uh, institutions that have opened up vaccine clinics, generally the appointments are gone very, very quickly. So we heard from one local health director, who said that they had a clinic you know being online for next weekend and within an hour of it being opened all the slots were taken there are hospital sites that are seeing a lot of demand for clinics that they are doing and so this is all great in terms of the enthusiasm of people to be able to sign up for these clinics for those who are trying to sign up and maybe feeling a little frustrated because maybe they have tried And are having difficulty finding a a place where they can get their child a vaccine. I would just ask if you can continue to persist, be uh, have a little bit of patience because I do think that new and new things are coming online all the time. I have heard of people driving longer distances within the state to be able to go and get access to vaccines, and I think that we're going to see more and more availability as well over the next week or so and going into the next several weeks. So I I I see a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of excitement for the childhood vaccines, which is great news for us here in Connecticut.
1: The approved vaccine comes from Pfizer, but it's not the same one that adults are getting, correct?
0: That's absolutely correct. It is the same structure of vaccine, but the dose is one-third of the amount. And the reason that this is important, I think, is for several reasons. Uh, First and foremost, children have very robust immune systems, and the reason that a third of the dose is probably fine for them is because they're able to build the immunity in addition to of course being smaller in size but they are able to build immunity and uh, tolerate the vaccine better because it is a third of the dose so they have had children that is similar side effects to what adults had to the pfizer vaccine meaning things like fevers chills, maybe some arm discomfort. Most of this would be resolved with something like Tylenol. And the time frame again, has been generally 24 hours, 48 hours in that ballpark. So the advantage is that, you know, we know that we can uh, protect our kids. It's well tolerated. One of the things that parents have been concerned about is myocarditis, which is the inflammation of the heart that we saw in some of the teenage, particularly boys, the older teenage, so really more like young adult um, boys and more so than girls. And there were no cases of myocarditis actually in the Pfizer study that was done for the five to 11 year olds. So, you know, as a parent, I totally understand this and we all want to protect our children. That is first and foremost, but I would just remind parents that COVID itself, the virus that causes COVID can cause myocarditis, can cause much worse outcomes from the virus itself than this vaccine has been shown to do. And for that reason, I would just strongly encourage people to consider getting their child vaccinated.
1: They get the first dose and then they get the second dose down the road. And then after, what is it, two weeks, they're considered fully vaccinated?
0: That's correct. So for the Pfizer shot, you get one dose, three weeks later, you get the second dose and 2 weeks after your second dose is when you're fully vaccinated. So from the time that you start your vaccine, 5 weeks and you are fully vaccinated.
1: So we could have fully vaccinated 5 to 11 year olds in Connecticut by the holidays.
0: That is exactly what I'm thinking that by the time we get to the end of December, many of the kids that are now eligible may be fully vaccinated and even people who you know over the next couple of weeks are getting vaccinated. It's going to be by the end of December, beginning of January, that a lot of those kids will have been fully vaccinated.
1: How does vaccinating this age group help to get beyond the the pandemic?
0: This is an important age group because this age group is going to school, and so we are finally able to address the final group of people who are in that school age group and school age is so important because we know our schools are our biggest congregate setting out of all places that kids uh, gather in and so we know that this is going to add one more group of people who will now be vaccinated and have immunity and then certain principles or policies that you may consider and put into place could be consistently done across a family. You know, right now we may have teenagers, maybe one child is in high school, another one's in middle school, another one is in elementary school, and you've got ages across the board. And it's complicated when there are different principles that apply to one kid versus another kid. And having a family be able to have all kids that are school age going, being vaccinated, is a huge hurdle that we are overcoming. And I think we'll be able to look at how we continue to emerge from this pandemic through a different lens once all school-age kids are vaccinated.
1: Right now, the vaccine for younger kids has emergency use authorization. Down the road, do you feel that this vaccine should be mandated for school attendance in Connecticut?
0: I think we have some other hurdles to overcome before we can quite get to that. So the reason I say that is, you know, these studies were short in duration. Uh, We need to see that kids got vaccinated, parents understood, bought into this. We need full approval of these vaccines, which will show that there's been longer-term follow-up there's a better understanding of exactly what these vaccines, how they performed in the long run. And once we have that information, I think that's a point at which considering whether they are added to the list of mandatory vaccines for other school-age children, I think that is a point at which it can be considered. But right now, we're quite a far ways away from that. And I think that's something that will definitely be under consideration down the road.
1: Now, you hear from some parents that are more concerned about the vaccine than they are about COVID. What is the latest guidance in terms of children and COVID for kids who aren't vaccinated? How much of a threat is it?
0: One thing we've seen is that the Delta variant basically has taken over as the main strain of COVID that is circulating in our community here in Connecticut. And what we also saw with the Delta variant is that although it is true that children do better with COVID than adults and particularly older adults do, we have seen with the Delta variant in particular that there are children that have gotten seriously ill and there are children that have gotten hospitalized and unfortunately even some that have died. And this is in higher proportion than many other viruses that we are used to seeing among children and among other diseases that currently are vaccine-preventable diseases that we currently administer vaccines for in young children. And so I say this because I think it just highlights that, you know, at the end of the day, we have a vaccine-preventable disease And we want to be able to allow our children the best opportunity to continue to grow up healthy and not necessarily have exposure to a virus that we don't know that much about, quite frankly. We just don't know that much in terms of what the long-term potential outcomes or consequences could be from this virus to the children. I think we have more history in terms of vaccine technology with the vaccines we have on the market than we do with this virus, which has not been in scientists' hands for that long. Scientists have been working on vaccine technology, even the new mRNA vaccine technology, for over 20 years. So, you know, I have more confidence in that than I do in the virus itself.
1: You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Connecticut Public Health Commissioner Dr. Manisha Jutani. This past week, State officials unveiled the Screen and Stay initiative for schools across the state. Tell us what that is about.
0: You know, as we are vaccinating our kids, we do recognize that particularly for the unvaccinated and partially vaccinated kids, issues of exposure being identified as an exposed person or contact has resulted in quarantine of many children. And quarantine and repeated quarantines has been something that has significantly impacted in-school learning for kids. In-school learning is so important to be able to keep them on track, both in terms of their health and protection against this virus, but also in terms of their social, emotional, and behavioral well-being. And so what we know is that schools are one of our safest places because currently we have a mask mandate and many of our educators are vaccinated. Many of our their children are vaccinated. And so what this particular screening policy allows is that if you have an exposure of a masked kid against another un- a masked kid, two masked kids who were exposed, that that contact would not have to quarantine. And I think this is a big advantage to the schools. Of course, the sheer fire way to not have to quarantine is to get vaccinated. But for those that have not yet been vaccinated and are in the process of getting vaccinated over these next couple months, this is a way to remain in school despite the fact that you are unvaccinated or that you're still in the process of getting vaccinated. So it's just one more Piece to the puzzle as we try to emerge from this pandemic. And the screening process is really something parents will do where they will assess their child for symptoms and make sure they don't have any before they allow them to go to school and sort of participate in this program.
1: Once there's a critical mass of fully vaccinated students in schools, do you see the mask mandate changing at all?
0: I think we need to see what happens over the next couple of months. And I do think that. Vaccination is going to be our way out of masks and out of this pandemic. And I think this is why I'm very eager to see how we do with our 5 to 12-year-olds, particularly with the 5 to 11-year-olds now being eligible. Because if we have good uptake, you know, just think about the example I gave of a given family. When you have discordance in a family of people who are vaccinated and unvaccinated, and you have rules that apply to some versus the others, it gets confusing. And it gets confusing for a household. It gets confusing for the teachers, particularly with schools of different age ranges. So the more we have our school-age population all eligible for vaccines, the more we'll be able to potentially come up with strategies that would be consistent across all schools. And certainly there's no doubt in my mind that vaccination is going to be the way that we're able to get there.
1: Now, shifting gears, but staying with the somewhat confusing theme, adults and booster shots. Where do we stand? It depends on the vaccine you received, correct?
0: Well, I know you're, you're so right that this is one of these confusing things, and that's one of the things I'd really like to clear up today. So let's start with a few things. If you are 65 and older, you are eligible for a booster. End of story. There is no question in my mind, please go out and just get your booster if you received your series six months ago. It is a colder time of year. We have lots of different viruses circulating. People's immunity is waning from the initial shots that you got. So 65 or older, no matter what vaccine you got, go out and get a booster. If you got the J&J vaccine, and that was initially proposed as a one and done type shot. What we know is that about two months after you got your shot, your immunity is starting to wane. And you can also go out and get a booster. My recommendation for you would be to get one of the mRNA boosters. And the reason I say that is because I think the immunity that is generated from either the Pfizer or Moderna shot as your second shot is higher than from the Johnson & Johnson booster. If you have an opposition to receiving Pfizer or Moderna, by all means get Johnson & Johnson, it's better than nothing. But there's no doubt in my mind, anybody, no matter what your age, no matter who you are, as long as you're 18 and older, please go out and get a booster if you got the J&J shot. Now, I think where the confusion comes is for those who are under the age of 65, who got Moderna or Pfizer? One thing that's very clear from the current CDC guidelines is that if you are 50 years old or older, and you have any one of many very common comorbidities, these would include things like hypertension, diabetes, current or former smoker, uh, history of COPD, heart disease, depression, anxiety, other mental illnesses. If you have any number one of those conditions that I just mentioned, not only are you eligible for a booster, you are recommended to go get a booster. So if you are over the age of 50 and you have any one of the things that I mentioned, then there's a much longer list that of many things that are very common that older people have in general and adults have in general, you are eligible for a booster, please go out and get one. That is unequivocal. Where there is more ambiguity in what the CDC is saying is if you are between the ages of 18 and 49, and if you have any of those comorbidities that I mentioned, they say you may be eligible. And the last thing they say is if you live or work in a place where you may be at high risk of acquiring COVID-19, you are eligible. So I say all this to say that it is really a self-assessment. Do you think you're eligible based on the things that I just said? If anything I said resonated with you and you can listen to what I say and say, I think I might be eligible for a booster, just sign up and get one. And the reason I say this is because as we head into our colder months and we know that many of the people in our population have gotten their shots six months or longer before, this is when we want our immunity to be the highest. Our northern states above us, states like Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, they are having higher cases. And I think this is because they are colder and they have an older population. And so, as we get colder here in Connecticut, I'm concerned that our older population and particularly all adult population may be at risk for getting COVID just with a breakthrough infection. So, I just strongly recommend people to think about whether they're eligible or not, you can certainly go to the CDC website. And if you just Googled CDC booster shots, you'll see that long list of things and conditions that uh, if you have any one of them, you would be eligible to receive a booster. And so I really encourage people to just go out and get a booster if you're eligible.
1: Now, is the booster exactly the same as the initial shot?
0: So for the Pfizer shot, it is exactly the same. And I've often been asked by people, you know, should I get the same shot that I got? Should I get something else? And what I would say is that if you got Pfizer, you can just get another Pfizer, unless it's very difficult for you to get another Pfizer, then you can get Moderna, that's fine. If you got Moderna, the booster for Moderna is actually a half dose, because they found that it was so strong, you didn't need the full dose of the Moderna, because two shots of Moderna was very powerful, and so you only need a half dose. Uh, For J&J, like I mentioned, you could get the same, but I would probably just either get a Pfizer or Moderna, which I think certainly makes sense in terms of boosting your immunity. But if for some reason the type of shot that you have access to, which is close by and easy for you to uh, access, is not the same thing as what you got, the FDA and CDC have said that it is okay to mix and match. And mix and match basically means that if you got Moderna, you could get Pfizer. If you got Pfizer, you could get Moderna. And I think that's fine if you're going to have difficulty actually getting one of those shots. There's nothing wrong with doing that. The only thing I would say is that the studies were originally done with you know all three Pfizer shots or all three Moderna shots. So we have the most data on that. And if it's easy enough to get, I would just stick with the one you originally got. But there's nothing wrong at all with mixing and matching and getting Pfizer, Moderna, and vice versa.
1: Now, with that in mind, what are you seeing around the state in terms of availability of boosters?
0: We have more than enough availability of boosters. So we have our DPH vaccine clinics that we have set up in multiple different sites. Pharmacies have plenty of booster shots available. Again, I would encourage you to go to either vaccines.gov, which is the CDC site, or our site through DPH for now, which is uh, ct.gov slash COVID vaccine, put in your zip code, and you can find plenty of places around you which have vaccine availability and booster availability. So really, there, there shouldn't be any problems at all with getting an appointment for a booster.
1: As we approach the holidays, last year, a lot of people had the holidays over Zoom what do you see the holidays looking like this year?
0: I definitely think the holidays are gonna be different this year. And it is a little bit of a calculation that each family needs to make themselves. So first of all, the safest way to gather if you are gathering for holidays is for everybody to be vaccinated. I would even say that everybody eligible for booster should be boosted. That would be the ideal before going into a holiday gathering. I think every family is gonna need to evaluate who was maybe not eligible for boosters or vaccines in the household of people gathering. And secondly, who might be more immunocompromised or more vulnerable. And just keeping that in mind, you know if you have somebody who is very vulnerable in the gathering that you are getting together, you know maybe a way around that would be to say, you know what? We're all just going to mask just to protect whoever it is that you um, are hoping to protect if that's what that person is most comfortable with. And maybe you just take your masks off to eat and try to you know, keep as much safety in mind as you can. For other families, they're going to say that, you know, we don't really have anybody that's high risk and we're all vaccinated. Uh, maybe even some of you are all boosted. Um, and so, you know, I think this is going to be an individual choice, but I do think that particularly for vaccinated people, you know, people have been through a lot in the last almost two years now. And gathering for holidays and special events is a very important thing for people. And so I think we are going to see holidays in some shape or form and different people are going to have different risk tolerance and thresholds in terms of what they're comfortable with.
1: Do you think that COVID is just going to always be there and it's something we're going to have to deal with in the background and maybe even get boosters from time to time?
0: Unfortunately, yes, that is what I foresee. That is what I think. But the good news is that we have seen that with vaccination and with boosters, even when people have had breakthrough infections, of course, our most immunocompromised are still the most at risk. For hospitalization and even potentially death, but we know that to be the case even for something like the flu. We have that every year with the flu, Um, and so what we need to remember is that you know if we convert COVID into something that becomes a common cold over time, this isn't going to happen overnight. But policies will begin to change in terms of how long do you need to isolate, how long do you need to be out of school or out of work, you know, because I think we're going to see that things are going to change in terms of the science over time. We haven't quite caught up there, but it might be that over time you're out for, you know, X number of days, more similar to what might happen with the flu or other common colds. And if that happens, then that will be a big plus for us. And I think when we are going to really know when that is, is when every human being on the face of the earth is eligible for vaccines, has had an opportunity to get vaccinated. That is when we'll sort of see what the steady state is. And I think the steady state, in my opinion, is that COVID is here to stay. But that doesn't mean that it can't be something that we live with and it won't affect our lives in the same way as it has for the last two years.
1: She is Connecticut Public Health Commissioner, Dr. Manisha Dutani. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Erin Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC
0: Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.